Okay, everybody, we are ready to go. Live and in person, New Hope Radio. Thank you for joining me today. We're going to talk about something really important. You know, Jesus said that we are the hope of the world. Think about that. And uh, we're going to take a look at what is that hope. We're in a series entitled, What Jesus... uh, No, the series is entitled, Life-Changing Principles. And these are all the things that Jesus said to help us to change our lives for the better. Today we're going to see what he said about witnessing, about sharing our faith. And I'll tell you what, how important that is. You know why? Because it is the hope of the world. And we're introducing a new feature if you'd like to participate. Uh, We're going to take your comments and questions. If you have a question about what we'll be talking about today, the number is 339-230-0335. If you're watching on newhoperadio.live, I'll put it up there once in a while. If not, you're on the radio. Thank you for that. And uh, we'll announce it a couple of times. Okay? But what a good topic it is. Because I want us to see that the hope of the world is really entrusted, uh uh-oh, to the body of Christ. Think about that. God has entrusted the hope of the world to his people. And in a way that it becomes our uh, testimony. How important is our testimony? Well, that's what we're going to talk about today here on New Hope Radio. So, when you think about it, and I'm trying to think about it, Jesus spoke many, many things regarding uh, Sermon on the Mount. That's where we get these teachings. We're looking at the things Jesus said from the Sermon on the Mount. He talked about money, worry, fasting, praying, helping the poor, murder. He talked about adultery. He talked about love. All these good things. Now, are some of these issues practical? All of them are. Every single one. That's the beauty of the Christian life. It's not only spiritual. It's practical. But we're going to see one that Jesus talked about, and it might come across in a very strange way. I might some say some things today that might pop some of your bubbles when it comes to witnessing, you might even think, that's heretical. How can you do that? How can you say that? Well, I can say it because it's what I believe is true. Witnessing is one of the last commands that Jesus left with his disciples before he ascended into heaven, right? Remember the Great Commission? Matthew 28, 19? Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So those are the final commands that Jesus gave to his disciples. Jesus came back later. <laughs> he did. And in Acts eight, he said, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea 
and Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth. Like, you guys are going to go everywhere. That's what he's saying. You're going to witness for me everywhere. So I would say then that this is a very important matter with God. It's the hope of the world. The Christian witness is the hope of the world. Now, I believe that there are two wrong ways to evangelize. And you might disagree, and that's why you can text me and say, I disagree. That's okay. And if you agree, that's good too. Here's one wrong way to evangelize, by being overzealous. We can be overzealous, and we can be like an arm twister. Remember this, the gospel is good news, okay? So we have to present it as good news. The second wrong way to witness is by fishing in the wrong pond, okay? You can fish in the wrong pond with the wrong bait. You can fish in a pond where there's no fish. You can fish in a pond that's polluted. You can fish in a pond, but you don't have the right equipment. So what does Jesus mean when he says in Matthew 7, 6, do not give what is holy to the dogs and do not throw your pearls before swine or they will trample them under their feet and then, uh uh-oh, turn and tear you to pieces. Wow, that's not good. So, what we have here, we have two distinct creatures given to help us to understand this life-changing principle of witnessing, okay? And they're distinguished not only by what they are, a dog and a pig, but also by how they are approached. Now, dogs in the first century were not seen like dogs today. Today, we go out and get dogs and bring them home. But in those days, Dogs ran wild. They were not necessarily domesticated. They ran in packs. And uh, that's why the Lord would use them metaphorically. And Paul would use them. And God would use them metaphorically. For instance, the words dogs are used for those working against God. They were unconverted Jews where Paul said in Philippians 3, 2, beware of the dogs, beware of the evil workers, beware of the false circumcision. So these people were working against God. Secondly, Jesus used dogs to refer to Gentiles. In Matthew 7, 20, Mark 7, 27, he said, Let the, remember when the lady came and said, oh, I want you to help my daughter, he was in Samaria. He said, let the children be satisfied first. It is not good to take their bread and throw it to the dogs. He called that mama a dog. She was there for her daughter. She was a Samaritan. He said, yeah, but even she was very witty, though. Even the dogs get the crumbs from the table. And Jesus said, I admire this gal's faith. Oh, yeah, she's got great faith. John also used the word dog to refer to those who don't get into the New Jerusalem. Revelation 22, 15. Outside of the city are the dogs and the sorcerers and the immoral persons, murderers, idolaters, everyone who loves and practices lying. So in that group are dogs. So dogs in the first century were those that were looked down upon. Each time the word dog is used, it refers to that which is antagonistic. 
Okay? So, what am I saying today? There are people that are antagonistic to the gospel. You know what I believe? You cannot witness to them. Because the animal is antagonistic to man. A Gentile is antagonistic to the people of God. Christ rejectors, they're outside the city. They don't get in. So what I'm saying, we have to be very careful who we witness to. The right time, the right person, the right place. You know, the Bible even says leftover meat from a sacrifice could not be given to the dogs. Wow, they were looked down upon. Now, the other analogy has to do with pigs. Do not throw your pearls before swine. Now, this one makes even less sense than the first one. Because <laughs> I'm like, who's going who's to throw pearls before swine? Who's going to do that? The swine, what are they? They're the hogs, the pigs. Pearls, these are the jewelry pearls that come from an oyster. Real pearls, nice ones. The only exception I find to pearls and pigs is Miss Piggy on Sesame Street. She wore pearls, and she wore a nice pearl necklace. But here's what here's what the Lord said. Don't throw your pearls before swine. You know why? They will trample them under their feet. They don't appreciate them. And then they will turn and tear you to pieces. You're giving them that which is not conducive to them. You're giving them that which they can't relate to. See, dogs don't appreciate that which is holy, that which is sanctified, and pigs don't wear jewelry. So both of these animals, they only eat to satisfy themselves. They're not interested in anything else or anyone else. They're self-serving. So now, okay, what is Jesus saying? I believe he's telling us about wisdom. In witnessing. I believe it is in the forgiveness of God that we present the gospel. I want you to think about that. If the gospel is good news, then the gospel should include the forgiveness of God. And again, there are those that see no need for forgiveness. Okay. And there are those that do. But I want to remind you, we are to be lights to the world, but not blinding. You know, many times Christians can be offensive in their approach because people aren't ready. You know, I, I, I disagree with, with those that get in somebody else's face to preach the gospel. It's not right. It's, 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 it's like moving in on their territory. You know, when Jesus preached, he walked, and people that wanted to know truth, they followed him. He didn't get in people's faces. And today we have those, they, they get in people's faces, and they don't want to hear it. And they have that right not to hear it. But the key is forgiveness. That's the good news of the gospel, forgiveness. What I want to share with you right now is today's Hope Club devotional. I really like it. I like it because it talks about forgiveness, and it talks about the forgiveness that God has, oh, I like this, for all people. For all people. That no one needs to be exempt from the forgiveness of God. And my friends, that's the good news of the gospel of Christ. 
Hope Lovers. This week we're looking at people that have been rejected by society but accepted by Jesus. You know, in the Gospels we find Jesus eating at a tax collector's house. Another time he was in the house of a leper. Today we're going to find him in the house of a Pharisee. And uh, what I like about this account, it shows what true repentance will do. What is true repentance? We're going to see that today. As we pick it up in Luke's Gospel, we'll be in chapter 7 and verse 37. I really love this scene. Try to put yourself in the scene. Behold, there was a woman in the city who was a sinner. And sometimes when a sinner is applied to a woman, it means a, like a lady of the night, if you know what I mean. And when she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, now wait a minute, this is the house of a holy man, supposedly, right? Hey, you know, she didn't care. She brought an alabaster vial of perfume. She went to this Pharisee's house. She's a sinner. He's the holy man. She walked right in. And standing behind Jesus at his feet, she was weeping. And she began to wet his feet with her tears and kept wiping them with the hair of her head and kissing his feet and anointing them with the perfume. What a beautiful act of worship and penitence. Now when the Pharisee who invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who and what sort of person this woman is who's touching him. She's a sinner. So we have a holy man rejecting this woman. And we have Jesus accepting this woman. Can you see the difference? Where would you rather be? In the presence of the so-called holy man? Or in the presence of Jesus? Here was a woman that poured out her whole soul to Jesus. You know that alabaster vial of perfume? Alabaster is a stone. So it was like a stone bottle. And the perfume was very expensive. And she earned it by giving away her own soul to men. There's nothing more you can give away. She gave of her essence to men to earn money. And Jesus understood the depth of the gift that she was giving him. So this Pharisee, he didn't like it. He didn't think it was right accepting a gift from this woman. But Jesus had an answer for him. He said, Simon, I have something to say to you. And Simon replied, say it, teacher. And he said, he, he gave a little story. He said, a certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And they were un, when they were unable to repay, he graciously hmm, forgave them both. Which of them, therefore, will love him more? Well, Simon answered and said, well, I suppose the one who he forgave the greater debt. And Jesus said, You've judged correctly. 
And then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, right? Jesus is looking at the woman, but he's talking to Simon. He said, do you see this woman? I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet. But she's wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but she, since the time I came in, <laughs> has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she anointed my feet with perfume. And by the way, these are the things the host should have done for the guest. And Jesus wasn't treated as a guest. He said, for this reason I say to you, her sins, oh, which are many, they've been forgiven. For she loved much. But he who is forgiven little, loves little. He's saying, you know, Simon, she knows she needs forgiveness for what she's done. And she received it. And you, the holy man, you don't think you need forgiveness. And you know what? You're not going to get it. And then Jesus said to her, your sins have been forgiven. And she walked away, I think like Zacchaeus, a brand new man. In this case, a brand new woman. Did she go back? I would think not. I would think that the forgiveness was so real to her and such a wonderful experience. She would turn her back on her old life. And isn't that what we do? When we really recognize the forgiveness that God has given us, we turn our back on our own life. We say, I don't want to go back there. I don't want to go back to do the things that Jesus will suffer for on the cross. So we go in a brand new direction. And that's what forgiveness does. When we really understand forgiveness, we go in a brand new direction. We out with the old, in with the new. And God has, oh yeah, a whole new way of life planned for those who understand true forgiveness. Do you understand true forgiveness? Do you understand what you've been forgiven of and forgiven of? And is that enough to make you make it 180? Say, out with the old, I'm going in a brand new direction. I'm a new creation of Christ, and I'm going to live in that new creation because I'm forgiven. Isn't that the message of the gospel? It is. And you know, you can join the Hope Club. Get a daily devotional in your email box Monday through Friday. Just go to uh, newhoperadio.live. Click the menu button. Click join the Hope Club. And what we ask is $3 a week. That keeps us on the radio. And uh, you keep your commitment. We don't even follow up. It's an honor system. Might be some people, they don't even do it. Well, we're just going to trust God, trust people, and we'll send you that devotional. I, I listen every morning. I just... Get up and listen. Stop my day off with my own devotional. And uh, just kind of get you started off on the right foot. But the point I wanted to make today, forgiveness is at the core of the gospel. And that's why it's true there are certain people, it's impossible to impart truth to them because they don't see the need for forgiveness. Maybe for some, they're very religious. Their religiosity keeps them from uh, seeing a need for forgiveness. Why? Because they're religious. Okay? 
Uh, there are others, they're just proud. They're prideful. They're like, I don't need to be forgiven. What have I done? I haven't killed anybody. Right? That's what they feel. Now, are they hopeless? I don't believe so. But something has to happen to them before they can be taught. You know, an old rabbinic saying said, even as a treasure must not be shown to everyone, so with the words of the law, one must not go deeply into them except in the presence of suitable people. What's he saying? What I've been saying, that not everybody is ready for the gospel, but the main thing, don't be offensive. Don't be an offense to them. It is not to everyone that we can talk of everything, especially when we think of what David said in Psalm 14, verse 1, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have committed abominable deeds. Okay? Now, it has to do with the condition of the mind. See, a mind can be morally blind, cynically mocking, intellectually proud, devotedly religious, but all of those are stumbling blocks to the gospel. Paul said in 1 Corinthians one twenty three, hey, we preach Christ crucified. To the Jews, a stumbling block. And to the Gentiles, because they were intellectual, foolishness. See, the Jews were religious, so they had this system of the law. And the Gentiles, they're intellectual. They couldn't conceive of a Savior dying on a cross. So we have a problem. We're commanded to witness, and yet there are those to whom we cannot witness to. And they have a problem if they refuse to be witnessed to. So how do we reconcile the two? That's a good question. What Christian words cannot do, a Christian life can do. Friendship evangelism is scripturally based. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 3.2, You are our letter, written in our hearts, known and read by all men. He said, being manifested that you are a letter of Christ, cared for by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of the human heart. So, we witness the gospel, and it can be accomplished. As a matter of fact, it can and should be accomplished. Here it is, as you live your life on a day-to-day basis. That's how we do it. Create a spiritual appetite in people by the way that you live. And then they may receive what you have to say. That's why I think friendship evangelism is the best way. You get to know someone. They get to trust you. They know that you care for them. And they'll be open to the truth of the gospel. But what we don't want to do is get in people's face. We don't want to shine the high beams of the light of God in their eyes, and they're blinded, and they get offended. That's not the way to do it. No, not at all. Because remember, we are the hope of the world. And you got to go fishing with the right bait. And you got to approach it. Jesus said what? Be wise as serpents, but meek as doves. That's so important. Wise as a serpent. 
meek as a dove. And you'll accomplish great things for Christ. Okay? Now, I don't know if that sits with everybody. I don't know. Maybe you think you need to witness to everybody that crosses your path. If that's your conviction, God be with you. But I, like, I believe the scriptures are telling me that there are those that are not ready. And you can be an offense to them. But you can get them ready. By loving them. By being a light in their life. Not a high beam. A little light. And showing them the way you live. What the gospel is. Let the gospel be life. More than words. Okay? Next time we're together, we're going to see what Jesus said about knocking, seeking, and asking. Remember that? Remember he said that? Knock, seek, and ask. What is, what is that all about? Did you ever do that? I'm sure you did. So uh, we'll, we'll talk about that next time, which would be tomorrow. By the way, I get an email from the uh, company that hosts our podcast. We have had 7,000 downloads of our podcast messages. And I thought that was pretty incredible. As a matter of fact, 293 just last week. So I'm thankful to the Lord that he's getting the word out there, that New Hope Radio, by means of the radio and the podcast, is reaching many people. 7,000 people downloaded the messages. And that's why I want to bring you the Hope Club. Help us out. $3 a week. And we'll send you that email Monday through Friday. It'll be faithfully delivered to your email box like you heard today. Okay? And it'll bless you and it'll get you started off on the right foot. I'm sure that it will. And tell your friends. Tell your friends what we're doing. That we are doing our best to spread the word of God. To spread the good news of forgiveness. It's not a bad message. It's a good message. It's a message of light. It's a message of life. It's a message where Jesus said, Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. I'll give you rest. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. I'll give you rest for your souls. Who doesn't need that, huh? Who doesn't need that? Thanks for watching. You can get find our podcast at newhopecc.tv as well as any other place good podcasts are found. I'll see you next time for more of New Hope Radio.